Good morning, Lighthouse, and a happy Palm Sunday to you all and any visitors that we have here today online. So let's pray before we do the message. Heavenly Father, we thank your gracious and precious name for not only this day, but every day that we have with you. We pray, Lord, that as we delve into this message, that hearts would receive the word that you have written. These are the words of our Saviour. He spoke these before he made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. But he was continuing to preach that message to those who needed to hear that he was their Paul then. He was their saviour, he was their redeemer, and he would become their Lord. So Lord, place these words in people's hearts that they may receive in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. So today's message is about the value Jesus places in those who are lost or wayward. Luke 15 contains three parables. Luke 15 contains three parables regarding this. The parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. Jesus many times used parables, simple stories using terms and images understood in daily life to show a moral or spiritual lesson, and to provoke a response from his hearers. They also show what God and his kingdom are like. His parables revealed and concealed God's truth, and also were aimed at Jesus' audience or specific people. In previous chapters, great crowds had gathered to Jesus to hear him, which worried the Pharisees and scribes, who were the Jewish authorities of this time as they challenged Jesus on a number of occasions about his teachings and always kept careful watch on everything he did and spoke. Luke 15 begins with Jesus fellowshipping with outcasts like tax collectors and sinners, greatly upsetting the Pharisees and scribes, as the first group willfully went against God's way for money and status, while the second wanted to live contrary to God's ways. The Pharisees even felt defiled by any interaction with them. So Jesus shared three parables with them all. Luke 15 from verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost? until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. And in verse 8, all that... Or that woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbours, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The first two parables show two different people. One has an abundance of sheep, the other coins. But in both scenarios, they are greatly concerned about finding a lost item which is of great value to them, 
and is not able to return by its own efforts. Sheep were of great value to shepherds, and if one was lost, may face great dangers to itself. A lost sheep could lie down helplessly and refuse to budge until it was found. A Palestinian bride would receive ten silver coins as a wedding gift, which to her was as valuable as her wedding ring, and if any were lost, this would be greatly distressing to her. Each person diligently seeks out what they had lost, going to great lengths to ensure they would find and recover it. We see their heart, appreciation and joy on finding the lost items. From verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. The last parable shows a young son, probably an unmarried teenager, asking for his inheritance, which was normally half or a third of the family estate, as seen in Deuteronomy 21 verse 17. But this was only received on the father's death or retirement. This act was very hurtful and insulting to his father's authority. The father provided his young son with a cash value of his inheritance, which he squandered foolishly in a foreign land. From verse 14. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. After spending all his inheritance, a famine occurred, and he fell on hard times. He begged a Gentile farmer to hire him, but even the pigs were fed better than him. Pigs were seen as unclean animals in Jewish culture. They were not eaten or sacrificed, and Jews would not touch them for risk of being defiled as we see in Leviticus 11 verses 2 to 8 and Deuteronomy 14 verse 8. For the son to lower himself to hiring himself to a Gentiles, abandoning his Jewish culture by feeding pigs and even desiring to eat their food was a great humiliation and disgrace. He had lived the way he wanted to, but found this was not fruitful and he'd hit rock bottom. And sometimes it takes us to hit rock bottom before we seek the help we need. After realising he didn't have to live this way and that his father's servants were treated better than what he was currently experiencing, with a repentant heart, the prodigal returned to his father's home, whom he had wronged, hoping for his mercy to become one of his servants. We pick it up from verse 20. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father, when he saw his son, ran up to greet him, which was unheard of in this culture, as it was not dignified for a wealthy landowner to run, let alone to run to his son. But the father's joy on seeing his son's return overwhelmed his sense of being proper in others' eyes. His father warmly and intimately welcomed him back showing great compassion and mercy. The son repented before his father, 
ask him for his forgiveness for his sins against God and his father. Before he's even able to finish, his father restores him as if he had not insulted him or left the family home. Such an insult was not normally forgiven so easily and he would have been rejected by his family. From verse 22. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. The father rejoiced that his son had returned of his own accord. He commanded the fattened calf, normally kept only for special occasions, to be prepared to celebrate and give thanks to God for his safe return. From verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called to one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he had received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given, gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property of prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The older son was upset by his brother's return, and he didn't even want to acknowledge him saying, This son of yours, in verse 30. I don't know if you've ever experienced it as a parent, but normally when your child is being naughty, you may say to your spouse, that's your child. as almost as if they're not yours. And I think this is the attitude of the brother here, that he just did not want to be acknowledged with his family member. The father graciously deals with his older son despite his anger, bitterness and resentment to his brother, but he still wants him to be a part of this return celebration. We see the father twice shows his great joy at his son's return. He knew he had learnt his lesson and he was repentant for his behaviour and attitude. In these parables, God corresponds to the shepherd, the woman and the father. The Pharisees correspond to the 99 sheep, the 9 coins and the older son. While the lost sheep, the lost coin and prodigal son represent the tax collectors and sinners who will be found by Jesus receive God's love and forgiveness, and enter into the kingdom of God. All three of these parables reflect the joy experienced by the person seeking and finding what they had lost. There is great joy for God and heaven every time a sinner repents, as Luke 15 verses 6 to 7 and 9 to 10 reflect. These parables help us to appreciate the great value God places in us. Every individual is precious to him. He grieves at every lost person, and rejoices at every repentant and found person, as Matthew 18 verses 11 to 14 show. So what is repentance? It is asking God for forgiveness from our sins, turning away from our old ways, and believing and trusting in Jesus for salvation and redemption, to live a new life in and for him.
We can see that in Acts 26 verse 20. While sin boils down to rebellion against God in all its shapes and forms, we must ask for forgiveness for our rebellion against God to receive more of his love and grace. The Pharisees and scribes were upset with Jesus as he was saying these repentant outcasts who previously had lived contrary to their teachings and God's law were more welcomed by God into his kingdom than they were who had dedicated their lives to living for God. No one has the right to judge who God shows his mercy and love to, not even those classed as righteous. Rather, we can all rejoice that another precious lost person has found God and been invited into his kingdom. God is always ready and willing to accept anyone who has lost their way, but they must be willing to repent and receive his love and forgiveness from our sins through faith in Jesus Christ. We are all sinners saved by grace, reference Romans 3, 23 to 25, and we could not save ourselves, seen in Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 9. God did not give up on us and did not want to see us perish or lose the opportunity to live in his presence. A quote from Dr. Doug Logan Jr. Jesus is the redeemer of lost people from all peoples. The father never gave up hope for his son. He was expecting of his return, waiting and keeping watch for him. God's love waits patiently for us to return to him, and once we accept it, it is constant and welcoming. The big difference between God and the prodigal father is the father waited for his son at home. God will come seeking for us like the people in the first two parables and remains with us, never leaving us. He searches for us, graciously giving us opportunities to respond to his love, but never forcing us to make that decision. He desires us to make this of our own accord, to willingly love him and to choose to be with him. God loves us so much that he will seek each one of us out individually, wherever we are in life. He wants us to receive his wonderful love and salvation so we can return to him, and when we do, he rejoices greatly. The prodigal son was clothed in a robe to reflect his reinstated status, authority, and position. We are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus, as Isaiah 61 verse 10 shows, through his sanctifying and redemptive sacrifice at the cross. On the son's return, he was redeemed, misdeeds forgiven, and elevated to a position he did not deserve. When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, he forgives us, he picks us up, restores and encourages us to move forward and show us a better way to live life. The prodigal story shows us not to try to do life alone. Be wise and pick your friends carefully. Good friends will support you in hard times, and be there for you through thick and thin. There's no better friend than Jesus to be with you and to have your back in good times and bad. Choose wisely. Choose a life with Jesus. It will be the best choice you will ever make, not just for you, but also for your family for many generations to come. Even before we ask for God's forgiveness, God has already shown us unimaginable love and patience. A quote from Charles Spurgeon. God's thoughts of you are many. Let not yours be few in return. God never takes his eyes off of us. 
We must learn to keep our eyes on him and him alone. Jesus is our compass in every storm we face. He is always able to bring us home and to safety. The prodigal son's actions showed his love for things of the world, which shaped his desires. The devil used these to tempt and put him into situations he would later regret. If you navigate yourself and your desires only to Jesus, he will always guide you through. I believe if it's not God, then it's not good. Just let it go, because it's not good for you. Many of us go back to worldly things when we are knocked in life. The Apostle Peter went back to fishing after Jesus' death, but found no comfort in this. It was only when Jesus returned after his resurrection that Peter felt alive again, serving him. I'm going to stop there from my notes for a little bit. Peter is a great story. He's a success story. A lot of us see him as a failure story, but I see him as a a success story because Peter was challenged. Peter was one of those fiery disciples, always the first to jump in, always the first to say something. And that was a bit like the prodigal son. There wasn't wisdom, there wasn't that nurturing, but Jesus nurtured him and even had to rebuke him at one point. And then that time comes where he says, Jesus, I would not leave your side. I will even die for you. And Jesus even challenges him and says, you will deny me three times. And he does. And Peter weeps. And then there's a resurrection. And those words from the angel to the ladies that were there, saying, go and tell the disciples and Peter, so that Peter would know Jesus had not rejected him. And then again, when Jesus then sees him face to face, they started their journey together with Peter having his nets filled by the Saviour. They end the journey before Jesus' ascension with him again filling Peter's nets, but restoring his disciple three times, just as he had denied him three times. Lost but not found, dead but not alive. The prodigal father's words speak prophetically about believers being born again by the Spirit. God's Holy Spirit allows us to put to death our old selves and be reborn in the likeness of Jesus our Saviour and Lord for his glory. God wants the very best for us all and he wants us to be part of his ever-growing family. He's relational. He always wants to work with us, not against us, through a personal experience with him. The prodigal son and his father had a broken relationship. We have a broken relationship with God for our sinful and wayward behaviours. God sent his son to ensure we would not be lost and to repair this relationship with him, as John 3.16 shows. When we truly repent and forsake the things which are no good for us, we can receive his love, forgiveness, grace, acceptance, righteousness and purposes. I was also once like the prodigal son, lost, doing things my way with no wisdom or thought about my actions or their consequences. But God came and found me, forgave and restored me, and showed me how much he loved me and those around me. None of us found God of our own will, only by his gracious love and mercies, drawing onto us so we may draw onto him. Now I want nothing more but to love him follow and serve him if we are all being honest with ourselves 
we have all strayed, done our own thing, done things we are not proud of, and probably made a big mess of things. That's why Peter's story really does lift me up sometimes when I'm going through hard times. And even the Apostle Paul had his occasions. But God is a gracious God who loved us before creation began. And he wants to show his love to us, deliver us from our mess, and show us a much better way. He asked us to trust and follow him, to experience his wonderful love and mercies. He is a God who does not reject those who humbly seek his love and forgiveness, no matter what they've done or experienced. Sometimes we let shame and the fear of rejection hinder or stop us seeking the help and support we so dearly need to deliver us from our situations. Don't let your previous failures or your past deny you of your present and future hope in Jesus. No matter how far we run or how far we think we have walked away from God, when we truly start to turn away from our old lives and walk in this new life, in his new life, God shows unsurmountable love, grace and mercy towards us. And I feel he's just waiting for us to return and seek him. A quote from J.R.R. Tolkien. Not all those who wander are lost. The sheep became lost possibly by wandering away from the flock. The coin was lost through no fault of its own and the son left through his own selfish desires. God's gracious love for the lost reaches out to everyone despite why or how they become lost. Let me ask you, do you feel or have you ever felt lost? Jesus came to seek and save the lost as Luke 19 verse 10 shows, would you like to be found by him? As I close, if you were stirred by this message and would like to start to know Jesus and receive his precious gift of salvation, please pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge all my sins before you and ask for your forgiveness. Please grant me your salvation for your saving grace and redemption through your sacrifice at the cross. And please come into my life to be my Lord and Saviour. I love you, Lord. Help me fix my eyes on you, as you have done for me. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's end this service with prayer. Heavenly Father, all that we are, all that we have, all that we will become is yours. It's all in your hands. And Lord, we were wandering like the Israelites in the desert. But Lord, you gave them direction. You gave them hope. You gave them peace. You do the same for every heart, every soul that will come into your presence. And heaven rejoices at every lost person. Lord, even if we do know your love, sometimes we wonder. Lord, help us as your sheep come back to where you are and to who you are. And may we rejoice and continue to rejoice at being in the presence of our Lord and our Saviour. In Jesus' precious and mighty name, amen.